You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. We believe that today's message will help you thrive in your relationship with Jesus as you follow Him. We'll be back after the podcast with more information. And now, today's message from Pastor Scott Brown, right here at Passion Church. Good morning, Pastor Church. How you doing? Blessings to you. <clears throat> happy New Year. Hope you all had a happy and safe New Year. Pretty sure most of you did because nobody could go anywhere, so that'll keep you safe, huh? Glory to Jesus. Say glory to Jesus with me. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Well, I've got a good message for you today, and I hope you agree with me by the time it's finished, but I'm pleased to punch to share it. Uh, it's a word of encouragement for you. You need it. I need it. So let's get into it. Let's pray quickly. Father, we thank you for this blessed time, Lord, where we gather together to listen to, to contemplate, and to gain understanding. And hopefully, most of all, Lord, we gain confirmation from your word because we've been spending our own time with you this week. So I thank you for that for now. I bind the enemy in Jesus' name as we go forward with your word. Amen. Going to start this morning, Psalms 1. One. That's the beginning of Psalms. It's the beginning of the year. We're starting in the beginning of Psalms. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. If you don't have one, you should get one. Um, the more translations you have, I'm not one of those guys who necessarily thinks certain translations are absolute taboo. Uh, I believe there's some that are a whole lot better than others. I really like the New King James. I also like the NIV. People say it leaves things out, but it doesn't. There's footnotes that explain that it's not in every translation, but they still give it to you. Um, I'm not going to get religious about Bibles. I, I, I read the NIV, the New King James, the message is great for the Old Testament. Gives you a really clear understanding. I love the Passion Translation. I love um, the Amplified. I love Weiss Translation of the New Testament. It's fantastic. So it, all of those together will give you a better understanding. And if there's one that you know, consistently butts heads against the other four you're reading, well, maybe that one you should chuck. Amen? But anyway, reading out of the Passion Translation, and Psalms 1.1 says this, What delight, how many could use some delight right now? What delight comes to those who follow God's ways, who won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, or be found sitting in the seat or the scorner seat, the seat of the scorner. What delight comes to those who follow God's ways? They don't. They won't walk in step with the wicked. They won't share the sinner's way. They won't be found sitting in the seat of the scorner. Okay, this is, you know, we've read this a thousand times, but there's stuff to be gleaned here. Look, how can I be sure not to walk in the way of the wicked? How many are concerned that you don't want to walk in the way of the wicked? Um, how many want to avoid evil? Okay, should we try to avoid evil? Actually, no, we should not try to avoid evil. What we do instead is follow God. We don't try to avoid evil. What we do, if we spend our time following after God, you've accomplished avoiding evil. If you spend your time avoiding evil, you'll accomplish nothing. There's no power, there's no fruit in avoiding evil, just as there is no reward for not sinning. Well, God, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, and I didn't do this. Those are all sins. I didn't do any of those. Whoopee. <laughs> there's no reward. There's no fruit. 
There's no, there's no good byproduct from not doing things. Look, there's, 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 there's no health to be found by not eating bad foods. I don't know why I'm helping. I, I don't eat bad foods. Well, do you eat good foods? Because there is health to be found by eating good foods. There is blessings to be found following after God instead of trying to avoid evil. Look, James 1.25 says this, He who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it and perseveres in looking into it, focus, set your eyes on God. I told this story before, I'll tell it again. Um, years ago, I was riding my motorcycle through this town in New Jersey. I lived in, in Wanakue. And Wanakue has torn up the streets. They tore up the streets every year for like 10 years. And they put new manhole covers in, but they never took out any of the old ones. So I counted one time from the overpass by 287 to the church, and there was like 152 manhole covers. And I used to hit those riding my motorcycle, and it'd be like, ba-dunk, ba-dunk, ba-dunk. So I would look for those to make sure I could avoid them. And you know what happened? I hit them. Why'd you hit them? Because I was looking for them, to avoid them. Seriously. And God said to me, why don't you just look where you want to go instead? If you look where you want to go and aim for the smooth pavement, you won't have to worry about not hitting the manhole covers. Just do. Don't worry about not doing this, but do this instead. Because if you do this, this, this becomes something you don't have to worry about. And suddenly you become productive. He who looks carefully into the faultless law of liberty and is faithful to, to it and preserves in looking into it and is not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer, one who obeys, he shall be blessed in his doing, in his life of obedience. You don't get blessed for your life of obedience because the blessings are already yours. Whatever God has given you for this, you know, has to store for your life is already yours. Um, you don't win it again through obedience, but you do run smack into it in obedience. Amen? So it's not a reward. It's the fact that it's there, and if you're on the path you're supposed to be, you hit it head on. So we want to be a doer, not a not-doer. Amen? We want to be a doer and not a not-doer. And so many times the enemy himself, part of his plan is to get us, <clears throat> when we get an awareness of right and wrong, he tries to get us focused on not doing wrong, and we produce zero. Amen? Let's go back. What a delight comes to those who follow God's ways. They won't walk in step with the wicked. They won't share the sinner's ways or be found sitting in this corner seat. Why? Because they're following after God. Their pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of I am. Meditating each and every moment in the revelation of light. I love this. I love this. Meditating. We're not even going to get into what that word means today. But meditating each and every moment. Say moment. Do you realize life is made up of moments? Billions of them. Meditating each and every moment in the revelation of light. Okay. We're having a moment right now. I had a moment before I got here and I'll be having moments after I leave here. So will you. Life, like I said, is made up of moments. We need to see these moments in, in the evaluation of the light. We need to see things in the revelation of the light because the light eliminates the darkness. What does that mean? 
The light that came through Jesus was the light of the good news, the light of the gospel. We need to, you know, God's truth, God's word, it's all good news. We need to evaluate every moment, not in the negativity that the darkness of this world would present it to us, or the way this dark world interprets it, but we need to evaluate it in the light of the truth of God's word, the light of the truth of the gospel. So many things. I mean, if you turn on the television now, there's not a news station you can listen to that is in agreement. I mean, there's a group that are in agreement, another group that are in disagreement. And if, depending upon which one you listen to, you can get bent in this direction or bent in that direction. The problem is, truth only comes from God. And, and it, I mean, they've got the world scared to death of a disease right now that the recovery rate is 99.5% or better from. That's crazy. That's crazy. But that comes from hearing. You know, faith comes by hearing. Guess what? So does fear. Whatever you're hearing and letting get inside of you is what's determining your outlook on life. And if we're going to interpret things through people who aren't hearing from God, all we're going to get is misinterpretations of what's actually going on in the world right now. And that's the last thing we need, especially right now. It's the last thing you need is to be blown to and fro by every wave, I'm not even going to say of teaching, every wave of news reporting, every wave of opinion. My gosh, social media is just filled with opinions and filled with people who want to kill each other because of their differing opinions. It is crazy. It is crazy. And I, I mean, I get caught up in it sometimes, and I know better. And then I have to reel myself in and just stay off there for a while. But we, life is made up of moments where to evaluate each of these moments in the light of the revelation of God's Word. In other words, God's Word is true. God's promise to us for provision. God's promise to us uh, in His Word. Uh, God's promise to, to, to take care of us because we are our children does not change depending upon which way the world goes because the world has never been in sync with God. These last four years with Donald Trump in office has been easier for us because things are going more our way. They're not really going our way, but they're going much more our way the way we would like it as the body of Christ. And I think also we've gotten lazy because of it too. But, but it doesn't matter in the big picture because God's word is true. And we've got to let God be true and every man a liar. And that doesn't mean we're going to go out and accuse everybody of being a liar. It means we're going to let God be true. In other words, this is what God said. And that settles it and I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe what God said in spite of what I'm seeing. And when I do that, it enables me to walk above the circumstances of this life. And I have done that since 1984. I just decided when God took me on, I decided to take him on. I'm going to do things your way as best I can. Have you done everything his way? No, of course not. Have you tried to? Most of the time, yeah, 98% of the time. Um, have you failed? Yeah, plenty of times. But the times where I got it, where I did it his way, I got his results. And what more could you ask for than his results? When I did it his way, I, I, I mean, God has taught me to count it all joy. He's taught me just to depend on his word. I've had things go so adverse in my life or look like they were heading so adverse. But when I decided to count them all joy, it all turned around. Well, how could that be? How could that be? If something's coming your way, it's coming your way. No, 
Something may be aiming at me, but it's not coming my way. No weapon raised against me shall prosper. It didn't say no weapon shall be raised against me. Just that they wouldn't prosper. Amen. And I have testimony after testimony that I could share with you of supernatural things happening. Supernatural things that have happened to me because I've let God's word be true. And sometimes I didn't, sometimes I had time to think about it and respond. And sometimes I just had to yell out, Jesus. And what I meant when I screamed out Jesus in a time of need, in a split second time of need, was you are my salvation. You are my savior. You are my rescuer. You are the only thing that can fix this at this moment. I'll tell you a few. I was coming around a corner in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey. I was doing about 35, 40 miles an hour, and I had to make a hard right and go under this little overpass. This little bridge up there. It was dark in there. And when I turned and got around that corner, still doing about 30, 30, 35 miles an hour, right in front of me, 10 feet away, was a guy's truck broken down that had been obscured by the turn in the road from my vision and the darkness of the tunnel. Now, I'm 10 feet away doing 35 miles an hour. There's nothing I can do. If I pull over to the other lane, I might hit an oncoming car. So what did I do? I prayed this eloquent prayer. I said, Jesus. I just screamed out, Jesus. I screamed out to my Savior. I screamed out to my rescuer. And I turned my head like this with my foot on the brake and waited for the impact or to see what happened. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. I was still standing there like this. And when I opened my eyes, and I was about three feet away from the guy, and the car was, my car was stopped dead, which is absolutely impossible. He violated every law of physics to make that happen. I think I've got some pretty banged up angels because I've had stuff like that happen to me all the time. One time on Route 80, I'm in the fast lane. The guy in front of me is in the fast lane. We're doing about 65 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, just back in the 55 days. Um, <clears throat> We're going down the highway, and he locked up his brakes for no reason. There was nothing in front of him. He just got scared or something. Locked up his brakes, and his brakes were a lot better than mine. I only had about three car lengths between us. His brakes were a lot better than mine. I was in an old car, and I hit him so hard. And again, I prayed my famous prayer. I just screamed, Jesus. I hit him so hard that everything in my back seat hit the windshield of the car. My seat on the passenger side folded up. Both my visors flapped down, hit the windshield, and my glove box exploded open and dumped all over the floor. That's how hard I hit this guy. I didn't get hurt. The steering wheel hit my chest, and I felt the impact, but it didn't hurt. I opened my eyes. The guy's getting out of his car, and he comes running back to me. He rolls down his window, and he's, I, I rolled down my window, I should say, and he said, are you okay? I said, yes, I'm, I'm good. I said, are you all right? He said, yes, I'm, I'm fine. And then he went back and he looked at the front of my car. And he looked at the back of his car. He looked at the back of his car. And then I saw him bend down and look at the back of his car. And he came back to me and he said, if you're okay, I'm going to go. He said, there isn't a mark on my car. Now, how can there not be a mark on this guy's car? Well, there's not a mark on his car because I got banged up angels, I'm telling you. There's not a mark on this guy's car. I, and I said, no, I'm good. You can go. <laughs> Get out of here. Yay. So I got out and I looked at my car. There's not a mark on my car. There's nothing. I just hit this guy. Hard impact. So hard that all those things happened inside my vehicle. Nothing. Why? Because I brought God's word. I brought God's son into the picture. by screaming at Jesus. 
Because when I screamed Jesus, I was saying, you are my rescue, you are my savior, you are my only answer at this point for what is about to happen. And he's always been there. Uh, maybe coming up soon or when I finish my book, you can, you can either read about it or I'll tell you about counting it all joy and how I turn absolutely adverse situations around in my life. Watch them completely switch. Watch people who are dead said to do me damage suddenly start helping me because they decided to count the situation all joy. When I fell into various temptations. Let's get back on this here. Not that we're off it. But. So anyway. Their pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of, of, of I am. Amen. So life is made up those moments. And we don't want to see those moments the way the world sees them and agree with the world because we'll end up in that mess. What we want to do is see them in the light of the revelation of, of, of God's word. And, and we have the ability through Holy Ghost to see things as God sees them. His word is immutable. His word is unchangeable. And we need to, if only for our own sakes, and I'm not trying to be selfish, but we need to, if only for our own sakes, let God's word be final, and therefore let it interpret every moment so we will not be blown to and fro by whatever the world is throwing at us. That's how you come out on top. That's how you walk above this thing. And we're going to do that. I'm going to do that. You're going to do that with me. Everybody's excited for January 6th. Yahoo, I hope something fantastic happens. If it doesn't, I'm still walking above this situation because I live in the kingdom of God. Amen? What delight comes to those who follow God's ways? They won't walk in step with the wicked nor share their sinner's way or be found. Sitting in the scorner's seat, their pleasure and passion is remaining <coughs> true to the word of I am, meditating each and every moment in the revelation of that light. They will be standing firm. They will be standing firm. Say this with me. I will be standing firm. Say it again. I will be standing firm. And why will I be standing firm? Because I'm going to be standing on the Word of God. The immutable, unchangeable Word of God. They will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of their lives. Why? Because they're following after Him. They are never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever plentiful. That's who God says you are. He says you're bearing fruit in every season. You are never dry. You are never fainting. You are ever blessed and ever plentiful. God's word is so good and he is so good to us. Psalm 1-6 says, how different it is for the lovers of God. The Lord watches over them as they move forward. The Lord watches over them as they move forward. Now, He'll watch over you, but if you move forward, He'll do stuff for you. If you're going to sit in the same old spot saying, what am I going to do? He's not going to do anything because there's nothing for Him to do until you move forward. You've got to go and, 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 and run into some pressure in order for Him to do something in your life. Amen? If, you know, if you're, you're stalled, there's nothing He can do for you. When you start moving, He'll move things out your way. The Lord watches over them as they move forward, while the paths of the godless lead only to doom. One more scripture. Maybe two, but definitely one. Luke 21, 18 says this in the Passion. Don't worry. My grace will never desert you. It'll never depart from your life. My grace will never. When is never? Never is never, dude. My grace will never desert you. It'll never depart from your life. And while I was reading that, 
as I was getting ready to do this, I, had, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread, nor shall you, nor shall I, as long <clears throat> as we're willing to follow after him. To let his word be the last word in every situation. To see things through that light. To interpret every moment in the revelation of that light. And to speak forth what he has said in his gospel. Amen. God bless you. I love you. I hope this helped you. Um, some people have asked about giving. Yes, you can still be giving. You can use the same methods you always used online. Um, everything's still, even though we're, we've gone completely as an online vehicle at this moment, you can still give exactly the same way you've always had. So we thank you. We love you. We bless and praise you. Have a glorious new year. We'll have it with you. Goodbye for now. In Jesus' name. Good morning, Passion Church. So glad to be with you once again. I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. I hope you had a chance to catch the Expresso Thoughts broadcast we did on Christ for Christmas Eve. Um, if you didn't, that's all you have to do is go out to YouTube and type in Espresso, E-S-P-R-E-S-S-O, Thoughts, <coughs> and they'll all come up. Those are out there for you, too. Well, got a good word for you this morning. I want to encourage you. So without any further ado, let's get into this. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We give you the glory and the honor. Lord, rise your people up. Wake us all up. And cause us to see clearly in Jesus' name in these coming days. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. I'm going to call this following. But I'm going to read to you out of Psalm 143.10, out of the New King James Version. It says this. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. How many of you can agree with that would be a cry of your heart? Let me say this first. He's God. He's God. And we have a hard time sometimes with the concept of God, of someone that is to be followed irregardless. Amen, that, that we don't question everything because of the democracy we have here. We think we have a right to question everything and a right to our own opinion. And, but when God's God, God's God. And that means that he says jump and you just jump. And he is not a hard God. See, we, we can't see someone having that kind of control over our lives without them being hard-hearted, but he's not. He is soft-hearted and wonderful. If he says jump, there's something coming for your feet. Amen. So he's God, and we have to decide that, make that decision first. He is God. Hallelujah. And, and we serve him and not, not vice versa. But we will find as we serve him that he's already serviced us with everything we will ever need and far, far better than we could do for ourselves. Amen? Okay. Teach me to do your will. You see me sticking my hands in my pockets because I know you're not going to feel bad for me, but it's like 60 degrees here. Isn't that terrible? <clears throat> Dead of winter here, 60 degrees, and I have to deal with this, so you all pray for me. Teach me to do your will for you, O my God. The desire to do his will may be num must be number one in our life. It must be. has to be preeminent. has to be the first thing. I want to do your will. Now, you may be having a challenge with that, and I can understand that. But if look at it this way. He's done everything for us. He's done everything for us. The Father loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross that we might have eternal life. 
died a horrible death. You know, people say, you know, salvation is free. Salvation is not free. Salvation was the most expensive thing that ever happened, but it is paid for. And then he sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. He sent Holy Spirit to come live in us. There are no words that can express the thankfulness that you will have as you realize that. And once you've experienced it, you need to spend time realizing it. Oh my gosh, God has come to live in me. Oh my gosh, I have eternal life. Oh my gosh, I have a God. I have the God looking out for me. That should make you say, I want to do your will, whatever you want done. I want to do, Dad, whatever it is. And he's Father. Amen, he's Dad. Oh, wow. See, I grew up without a dad, so having him for dad is amazing. Teach me to do your will. So once you've established it, you know what? I want to do your will. What do you need done? Well, we'll have to be taught to do his will. He'll have to teach us to do his, his will. And the interesting thing is, what he teaches us as New Testament believers is to be led by Holy Spirit. That's what he teaches us. He doesn't give us a bunch of rules, a bunch of regulations, a bunch of, in this situation, do this kind of things. What he does is he teaches us by experience, by tasting and seeing that he is good, to be led by his Holy Spirit. I remember the first time I tried to be led by the Holy Spirit, and it worked. And I was, it was something so simple, something so small that you might even want to say, big, big deal. But it, it wasn't all that small for me because I had a bill I had a mail in and I couldn't find the stamps and I didn't know where I put them so I asked him and I learned something really cool because I'd already looked everywhere where I thought they should be. So I stopped operating on my own power. I asked him and I went about my business doing other things and it wasn't about 20 minutes that I suddenly, I just knew where they were. And I went to that spot and they were there. That's being led by the Holy Spirit. You cannot fail being led by the Holy Spirit. That's serving him. But he's teaching me that. See, he teaches us to be led by the Spirit so that we can do his will. The next verse here, look, it says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your Spirit is good. I don't think that's a coincidence. Because <clears throat> being taught to do his will has everything to do with being led by Holy Spirit. Your Spirit is good. Your Spirit is good. He is so good. Amen. And it says, Lead me in the land of of uprightness. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Not teach me, lead me. See, the teaching part is to be taught to be led. Everything after that, and as you get better at being le at led, is being led. It's all about being led. Now, that can be difficult, as I said, in this country because we're a democracy and we have this quest for independence. We, we don't think we should be dependent upon anyone, you know. We should be independent. We have a declaration that says we're independent. But the Declaration of Independence says we are independent from England and from tyranny, not from God. It says just the opposite. Amen? We're under God. Hallelujah. This is our Pledge of Allegiance. Under God. And that's where, and that's where we still are if we're smart, okay? But we were not designed to be independent. We don't function that way. And it's, it's funny because everybody, you know, I did it my way. You know, if you do it your way, it won't work very well. No matter how good it may look, it was, it was supposed to have been better. Okay? Way better. And when we do things independent of God, we are doing things adverse to our nature because we've been 
designed to be dependent. Here, here's an interesting side note. In a country where people are fiercely independent, they, for some reasons, want the government to take care of them. I'm not quite sure what that's about, but at any rate, we're designed to be independent, we're, to be dependent. We're made that way. And as we move on with the Lord, we become more dependent because we end up spending more time with Him. Here's the time where codependency is good. God wants us, we want Him. He needs us, we need Him. Hallelujah. But we're designed. The natural state of man is to be dependent upon his Maker, upon God. And everything functions when we're like that. Hallelujah. But we're designed to be that way so that we can be led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. We're taught to be led. But God doesn't teach us how to do life. He teaches us to be dependent on the Holy Spirit and learn to be led. And we do life being led. When we started His Word Ministries as a church, and later on it became Passion Church, but when we started it, we were very sure we were supposed to be pretty much a copy of the church that fathered us, which was Victory Christian Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Billy Joe and Sharon Doherty's church. And we thought, sure, that that was success and that's what we were supposed to do. And we didn't do that. We did something very different. And it took me a very long time, only just recently, to realize that we did exactly what we were supposed to be doing and that we accomplished God's will for us. God knew what he was getting when he picked Christine and I. Amen. And he worked through us and, and, and he, he taught us to be led and then we were led and did things. When, when he told us to start this church, he said to me, I, actually, I, I was prayed for. I went out in the Holy Ghost. I was laying on the floor. I thought I was going to Africa to be a missionary. I had an invite from a ministry to go work in Kenya, my wife and I, and that's where we... No, I, I don't live in the jungle, but, but it is nice, isn't it? <laughs> but anyway, uh, I thought I was, I, I was going to school to go to uh, Kenya, my wife and I, and while we were there, a prophet came breezing through, and as prophets do, he turned everything upside down which was good because it was God, but he laid hands on me and he said, you're going to pastor a church. And I went out in the spirit like dead, blam, on the floor, gone. And I knew it was right and I didn't like it. And that's how sometimes you know it's right because you don't like it. <laughs> but I knew he was right and I didn't want to pastor a church and I had a pretty good excuse. I said, Lord, I don't know how to build a church. I don't know how to build a church. I don't know how to build a church. And I kept saying that on the floor. And about four minutes went by and he had prayed for two more people apparently. And he came back, this prophet, and kicked me in the ribs softly, but hard enough to get my attention and he said I'll show you how to build a church and he walked away yeah that's cool right so anyway we, we you know time passes we, 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 we build a church and about 15 years into it I'm sitting in prayer one morning and I said to God you know you said you, 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 you teach me how to build a church and I still don't know how to build a church and he said no I didn't he said I, he said, I said to you I will show you how to build a church in other words I'll show you you do it be led not I'll teach you. See, if, if it could be taught, you could take that formula and it would work anywhere. But that formula won't work anywhere. For you to do what God has called you to do in your environment, with the people God has provided, with your personality, you're going to have to be led. Can't be taught. He won't teach you how to do life either. You're going to have to be led. You're going to have to follow him as he shows you what to do and do that. And that's how you experience the life that Jesus came that you might have, which is Zoe, life as God has it. And we're not getting into that because we'll be there for days. But anyway... Right now, here in this country, there is a great darkness trying to overtake. Well, actually, in the whole world, there's a great darkness trying to overtake the whole world, and it's the enemy. And it has especially intensified in the USA because we've always been a beacon 
for the gospel. We've been a light of the gospel, not collectively, but enough of us that it matters and it's recognizable and it's a threat to the enemy. So he's trying to snuff that out. Now he's not stuffing that, trying to stuff that out by kicking Donald Trump out of office. He's doing that just to, to make you think God has no power because many of us have put our faith in Mr. Trump. And, and I believe that he was God's choice, but my faith stays in God, amen? And the, the idea behind that is if he can kick him out, we'll be discouraged and think it wasn't God and blah, 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 blah. When all the time we, you, you may have had your hopes in the president rather than in your father. We live in the kingdom of God. Amen. Different realm completely. But anyway, we've been uh, you know, a, a keeper of the word of God. We've been, we've been a light in, in the darkness. But we don't dwell in darkness. Amen. We dwell in the light. And we're here to let that light of the good news of the gospel shine through us. God is not powerless. It doesn't matter who's in office. God is not powerless, but many of us will think the battle's lost if Mr. Trump is not given another four years, and will might very well spend the next four years fighting the enemy rather than sharing the good news of the kingdom of God, which would also be the enemy's plan for us. All the power that God has is at our disposal when we're being led by the Spirit of God. It matters not who is in office when we are led. It just doesn't matter. And what I'm going to do now is I want to take you and show you something very obvious, but I want to show you how God operates in His fullness of power through His people under a hostile government. There was no one more hostile than, than the Romans to the Christians. Amen. And even their own people, the, the, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, wanted them all dead. Yet God flourished and his people flourished in that atmosphere as they were led. He protected them. He empowered them. Look, here's what, here's what, here's what happens when even in a, a, a government that is, is completely ungodly is, is in charge when God's people are being led. Luke 9, 1 and 2, Passion Translation says this. Jesus summoned together his 12 apostles and imparted to them authority over every demon and power to heal every disease. He imparted to them authority over every demon, every demon, and the power to heal every disease. Yeah, well, what about every? Is there anything that's not a part of every? I think not. Every disease, every demon, okay? So he imparted authority to them. Then he commissioned them. He gave them an office to, to operate it out of, amen? He commissioned them to preach the kingdom realm of God. See, he gave them the power to drive out and heal, but he commissioned them to preach the kingdom of God. And as they went, he commissioned them to preach the kingdom realm of God and to heal the sick, to, dem to demonstrate. Preach the kingdom realm of God and to heal the sick, to demonstrate that the kingdom had arrived. The demonstration that God is real and the kingdom has arrived is the casting out of demons and, and the healing of the sick and the raising of the dead and whatever else God leads you to do. Whatever else he leads you to do is demonstration. We're called to go demonstrate the kingdom of God. And the last four years we haven't been doing a lot of that because it's been very comfortable for us. And I'm hoping that if he does get reelected, we don't spend another four years not doing a whole lot because it's very comfortable for us. But we need to be demonstrating the kingdom of God with miracles. Now look at this. Verse 6, Luke 9, 6. 
The apostles departed and went into the villages with the wonderful news of God's kingdom realm. Went into the villages with the wonderful news of God's kingdom realm. And they instantly healed diseases wherever they went. Instantly. Which diseases? Every disease. How? Preaching the kingdom realm of God. Explaining, preaching the kingdom realm of God created an atmosphere that healing was easy. In infallible for anyone who would receive it. I'm sure there were people there who said no and didn't get anything. But the word of God going forth, the truth of the kingdom, which superimposes itself over everything, it supersedes everything that we may even think is truth, which is mostly just fact and changeable, but the truth is immutable. And when you preach the truth of God, you create an atmosphere that miracles become natural, easy and for those willing to receive that truth. When we preach the kingdom of God and its fullness, not just salvation, but the kingdom of God as it is, and Jesus as the entrance and the Savior that brings us into that kingdom, you create an atmosphere that is ripe for miracles. Amen? And that, I think, is incredible. When I was at school, the building that we, uh, Bible school, the building that we were in school at was a gift from T.L. Osborne. And he maintained an office there, and I got to see him quite often. And in the lobby to his office were these pictures of these crusades that he had done around the world. And, and they, they, they would have had a, gotten an airplane to take a picture of all the people that showed up. But there's crutches. And, and, and braces flying everywhere as people are throwing them away. And he said sometimes all he did was get up and read from the book of Matthew. He would just get up and read the gospel and people would get healed right and left. Why? Because that's the kingdom of God. And he, what he was preaching was truth. <clears throat> and it was changing an atmosphere. And the enemy cannot interfere with that. Amen. The enemy cannot interfere with that. And the people who were willing to receive that as truth benefited. And the kingdom of God was demonstrated through what we call the miraculous, but which is really normal when the kingdom of God is present. Amen? And that's what God is calling us to do. To be teachable, to be led by His Spirit, so that we may go out and do the same exact things. Every believer is qualified. Amen? Every single believer is qualified. Every single believer will be. It has authority and, and, and is commissioned to preach the gospel the kingdom of God to the world. And in doing so, light this world on fire for God. So don't be so concerned about what happens this January. Be more concerned about spending more time with Him. See, you can tell when you're being led by the Spirit of God if you're spending time in the Word daily because the Word always confirms what the Spirit is telling you. The Spirit of God will never tell you anything that is contrary to what the Word of God has already said. Amen? The Spirit and the Word are working in us together to confirm that. So spend your days in the Word and make the first desire of your heart and life to be to do His will. And He will teach you to be led. And as you're willing to be led, you will see the miraculous happen in your life. Because it is us who are called to save this world through what He's done. Amen. We are the answer in Christ to the problems of this world, to what's going on. There is no political fix for this. This is a kingdom issue, and it's bringing heaven to earth that will change everything. And we're called to do that. So you be excited, and you be ready for what's coming. Amen? Because you're called to be a part of it. So go and make sure you're equipped today. I love you. God bless you in Jesus' name.
Amen.